The following program does not offer personal medical advice. Please consult your doctor before using any treatment or product we cover. Welcome to Go to Health Radio with your host, Jonathan Marks. We provide a welcoming environment where experts educate you on important health topics, answer your questions, and provide information from which you can benefit in consultation with your doctor. And now, here is Jonathan Marks. Hello, everybody. Great to have you back. Welcome to another week of Go to Health. And today we've got a great topic, which I've been looking forward to sharing with you. It's called How Neuroscience Helps You Reach Your Goals. And with us today, we have a wonderful expert in this field. Her name is Marsha Rubin, PhD. She's the principal of Rubin Consulting Group and the founder of Leadership Tangles Tangles and NeuroStroll, which we'll be talking about in a minute. As an executive coach, consultant, and facilitator, Marsha brings 25 years of experience in untangling complex interpersonal and organizational dynamics. And whether the need is stronger leadership presence or increased conflict management skills or higher emotional intelligence or more persuasive influence or even higher performing teams, Marsha's focused, direct and warm approach wastes no time in facilitating a brain-friendly process in which both leaders and their organizations discover their best solutions. Marsha also currently serves as associate professor and chair of the management department at Golden Gate University's Graduate School of Business, and her areas of inquiry include the intersection of leadership, neuroscience, and complexity. Her websites are leadershiptangles.com and neuroscroll.com. And with that introduction, Marsha, how are you today? I'm great, Jonathan. Great to see you. Good. So let's talk about first about NeuroStroll. Marsha's going to be with us for the full hour, so we'll be able to go to some, uh, into some great detail. Tell us what NeuroStroll stands for and really what it means and, and why it's been an interest uh, you know, of research for you. Well, I've been interested in the field of neuroscience actually for many years. I got interested in it about 10 or 12 years ago. It was emerging as a, as a new area of interest for those of us in the leadership development field. And um, so I I just started um, basically geeking out on it. Um, I read lots of books. Uh, I took some classes. I went to conferences. So I learned as much as I could. Um, I took some courses. I got uh, certified in a a brain-based assessment that was actually very scientifically um, derived Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's kind of how I got interested in it. And I'm a, a, an associate professor also. I have a, a coaching practice, but I'm also an associate professor at Golden Gate University. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's wh- in San Francisco. In San Francisco. It's a right. private uh, practice-based uh, nonprofit university. And I designed and oversee a master's in leadership. So in um, they have research professorships there. So I applied and I was just very fortunate to be awarded this two-year research professorship. Um, And so I spent what I said I would do and what I did is I went to many conferences uh, to learn even more. I even went to a conferences of all postdoctoral graduate uh, folks who were doing research in labs all around the world. It was really fascinating. Mm -hmm. So what I um, wanted to do is I wanted to do a research study. And I was talking to the then dean of our business school, um, Gordon Swartz. 
And he was telling me, he was saying, you know, people have Excel, their Excel program on their computers, but they don't know, you know, all of the power of what it can do. And I started thinking, well, wait a minute, that's the same way with our brains. We really don't know what we have in our heads. So I decided to do to uh, do this research study. Um, and I wanted to take there, were lo- there was lots of information and uh, research results from lots of different individual modes to help in goal achievement. But there wasn't one research study or, or series of exercises or process where you could combine all of them. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to do a um, multimodal, multi-sensory approach to achieving goals, because that was really important to leaders um, and also to my students. So I had uh, done some work with the late Judith Glazer. She had written a book called Conversational Intelligence. And through her, I was lucky to meet Dr. Deborah Pierce McCall, who has a strong background in neurobiology. Um, And I was able to hire her to help me with the project. So I wanted to come up with a acronym for this process we were developing. And I was working on napkins, trying to figure it out. And then um, I came up, actually, it was my husband who came up with the acronym of STROLL. Um, and my a vision was kind of a walk around the brain for people to understand what was going on. Hmm. So we designed a series of experiential exercises to increase the likelihood that someone uh, would reach a goal. So we, uh, we've run this, Deborah and I did it twice, and then I've done it several more times with groups, went with business people and also students. Mm-hmm. Um, so this neurostroll, we started off with an orientation to the brain. So we taught people what, you know, kind of the basics of the brain. Our brain is wired for safety. Uh, you have you have things that pick up threats and rewards, et cetera. And so let me tell you a little bit about what the STROLL acronym is and what we Thank did. You. Yeah. So S stands for sensing. So we had a sensing experience where we um, spotlighted the, the role that our senses play in moving us toward or away from our goals. So we had uh, participants identify specific colors. Um, sounds and body movements that would help move them toward their goal. So this was actually a really fun series of exercises. And we Mm -hmm. had a workbook for them, um, et cetera. And then the, so S is sensing, T stands for thinking. So this focused on the thinking patterns and values that are necessary to reach a goal. So we took some, them through some exercises related to that. The R stands for regulating. So that um, highlighted the role of self-regulation and co-regulation in achieving a goal. So we took them through some mindfulness, breath um, exercises, and a loving-kindness meditation. Um, The O stood for orienting, and that experience um, uh, highlighted the importance of mindset or attitude in achieving a goal. So we took them through a series of exercises related to, that helped them move toward a growth mindset and away from a fixed mindset. And then the L, lasting, uh, drew, drew on a lot of research on implementation intentions. So, so how, we, how we prime our brain to override strong habits. So for instance, if you think about, okay, I want to get up in the morning and exercise, the alarm rings that I hit the snooze button and I hit the snooze button. There's a way that you can override that so that you can move toward your goal. Wow. Um, and, and then we talked them about reappraisal, how they could reframe some negative thoughts. And then mental contrasting, which is you have to compare at the same time 
the negative, and this is kind of hard, but it works, the negative part of your current reality with the future desired reality. If you compare them at the same time, it's going to help your brain achieve the goal if you're committed to your goal. And then the last exercise, um, the last L was leading yourself. So we took them through a whole exercise where they actually moved around so that they could integrate everything that they learned. So that was the neuro stroll. Great. Um, let, me, let me just repeat those, make sure I got them all. So the S is okay. for sensing and the T is yeah. for thinking. What was the R again? The R is for regulating. So regulating. it's sensing. And what, is that, what does that mean? To regulate yourself. Because uh-huh. when we're going for a goal, if, you know, part of the thing about learning about the brain is really how we, our emotions get triggered. And so if we, if we understand that, and there's a lot of research now that shows that meditation and mindfulness practice is really good in slowing down our braking system so that we can go back and think logically. We're not mm-hmm. overtaken by our emotions. So it's sensing, thinking, regulating, and right. then we have orienting, which has right. had to do with attitude. Mm-hmm. And then lasting is some practices around goal setting that have been shown to really help um, boost people toward a goal. And the last one is leading yourself. Uh huh. And you said now you've tried this with a number of groups. What kind of, what kind of results have you seen? Well, we did a before and after um, survey um, for, I think, about four of the sessions that we did. Mm-hmm. And the research showed, that, or the results showed, that people had more confidence in reaching a goal. Mm-hmm. Um, so this, we I, we're positioning this as an exploratory study. We have anecdotal evidence from people that it really helped them think through their goals. It was a re, it's a fun exercise when we've done it in person. People mm-hmm. are engaged. They sit around at tables. You hear laughter. Um, it, it was just a really fun and engaging experience. And so the people that came with goals, I heard anecdotally that it, that it helped them. And usually what happens is people will pick one of those various modalities to help them. So for some people, because we did ask which of the exercises helped you the most. And for some, it had to do with if I imagine my goal with this, with a color that really helped me, mm-hmm. or for some, it was music or some, it was the work we did around implementation intentions. Um, so, you know, our, our brains are all different. And so people could pick and choose the exercises that helped them the most. Wonderful. Um, and so what do you intend? What, what, what's the plan for this program going forward? Well, um, I am working with um, some folks to turn it. I, I thought of doing an app, but I'm looking at turning into a course. And mm-hmm. so I'm working on that um, to turn Wonderful. it into a course that people can, can go online and take. And that'll oh, be great. posted on my website and, okay. and also, you know, social media. Right, right. Of course. That sounds wonderful. Um, and um, what did you work with people at all? Or how much work do you have to do with people to kind of frame what their goal is? Do people come in with goals that are too small or goals that are too big? They can't manage them. What, what experience did you have there? Yeah, that's a great question. So we, we asked people to think of a leadership goal that was important to them that they were committed to. And mm-hmm. part of what we did in the orientation session is we asked people to pick a buddy and to really work with each other to make, their, to make it as smart a goal as possible. So specific 
measurable, achievable, something that they could get results on. So um, that was part of the process. I think one of the things we're learning is that could be beefed up a bit uh, because some people didn't really have a goal or they changed their goal when they got there. So I think that's a piece that we're still working on. Got it. And you started to talk a little bit about this acronym. Uh, I think it's called SMART goals, which is specific, measurable, okay, achievable. Oh, I, Do you remember what those are? Uh, realistic and, and time-bound. So right. that's, that's a real you know, uh, thing that people learn in their MBA classes or the management classes. Right. Um, come up with when you're put, giving people a goal, make sure it's SMART. Right, right. So smart. So let, I think that's worth repeating for those people who haven't heard it. It needs your goal needs to be specific, measurable, and needs Actu- to be a, achievable or actionable. Yeah, realistic and realistic time, and time, time bound. bound. Means yeah. You're going. You're going to set. You're you're going to make a commitment to get this done by a certain time period. Right. Yes. Yeah. So I, I. It might be if you're talking about health. I commit. My commitment is to lose. 10 pounds uh, within six months. Um, and I'm going to do that by measuring going on the scale. <laughs> right. a month, you know, so you make it really specific as opposed to saying, you know, I just want to lose some weight. Right. Or I want to get, you know, I want to get fit. Uh, right. Make it more specific. Right. And can you give us an overview for, let's, let's just take that losing weight. I mean, I know it's very simple and kind of pedestrian, but because everybody wants to do it. But how does the neuroscience come in here in terms of thinking about losing weight and actually achieving that goal? Well, there's been a lot of uh, work and research uh, and books and articles on habits. And so really, if you're talking about change, the thing to focus on and to look at is to develop a new habit. Um, And so there's a lot of uh, research on how to do it. You need to, um, again, have a a smart goal. Um, You want to pay attention because our brains like novelty. So what's a a new way to help you think about it? Um, And, you know, think about your commit. What are you committed to? So the neuroscience helps there. There's some research that when you, um, there's a, a guy named Alex Corby wrote a really good book called Upward Spiral. And he talked about how when you think about a positive goal that um, engages your brain and activates your brain so th- that you start moving toward it. Got it. Good. Great. Yeah. Okay. So we're just uh, coming up on the end of our first segment with Dr. Marsha Rubin. Um, and we're going to be coming back with her in the second segment. We're going to learn how we can apply what Dr. Rubin has um, learned um, in our lives and achieving our goals. We'll get into some more specifics again. We're talking with Dr. Marsha Rubin, PhD. She's the principal of Rubin Consulting Group and the founder of Leadership Tangles and NeuroStroll, which we've just covered. And in addition to her consulting practice, she currently serves as associate professor and chair of the management department at Golden Gate University's Graduate School of Business in San Francisco. Stick with us, folks. We'll be back in just a couple of minutes to learn more about how neuroscience can help us achieve our goals. Stay with us. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. 
Psych Up Live with host Dr. Suzanne Phillips offers a psychological perspective on coping with common and current life issues. This show addresses topics as varied as marital stress, insomnia, depression, raising teens, campus violence, and building self-resilience. Listen in as Dr. Phillips and her guest experts share the latest in books, findings, and information that will inform and enhance your life journey. Psych Up Live is heard every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Tune in to The Patricia Raskin Show on VoiceAmerica.com every Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time. This is the program that helps you turn obstacles into opportunities, challenges into solutions, and find answers to tough questions with the award-winning powerhouse voice of radio, Patricia Raskin. So tune in and call in to The Patricia Raskin Show, Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time, right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. Voice America presents a new kind of health awareness talk show, the Sharon Kleina Hour, health, environment, and the power of water. Show host Sharon Kleina interviews leading scientists to discover how each of us can become proactive in protecting our personal health environment in an increasingly unhealthy world. Every show offers new information that could save your life. The Sharon Kleina Hour is health from an environmental perspective, your ultimate source for a personal environmental lifestyle. Listen Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel and Wednesdays at 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are listening to Go to Health Radio. To reach Jonathan Marks or his guest expert on the live program, call in to 1 866 472 5788. That's 1 866 472 5788. You may also send an email to Jonathan Marks at gotohealthmedia.com. Now, back to this week's show. All right, we're back, and today we're talking about how neuroscience helps you reach your goals with Marsha Rubin, Ph.D. She has two websites if you're interested in learning more. One is leadershiptangles.com, and the other one is the process we're talking about today, which is NeuroStroll. That's N-E-U-R-O-S-T-R-O-L-L, and it's really strolling through your neuropsych to help you achieve your goals. So in this segment, Marsha, I wanted to talk about some specific examples that you've experienced with how people can use neuroscience or habits or orientation um, to achieve their goals. Well, so let me start with some examples of uh, from my coaching practice. Sure. Um, or And I can also think of some examples from my teaching. So, so the, for my work with graduate students, so, I mean, the first thing is an example that came to mind is I had a client who was in a pretty senior level position and he, unlike, you know, this happens, wasn't so unusual, but he had a very high stress job and there were times when he would kind of lose his temper uh, at work and, and the neuroscience says, I mean, if, if when people especially someone in a higher position, get angry with them, Mm -hmm. um, then they tend to shut down and you don't get their very best thinking. 
So, I mean, one way is for people to first be aware of what triggers them. What are the things that set them off? So, you know, sometimes getting them to slow down and to breathe and to pay attention. So it's really important for new habits and goals to to pay attention. And, And what happens in our brains is when we pay attention, it uses up a lot of energy. In fact, we are wired to be almost a habit machine. So if you think about the first time that you drive somewhere, you're really paying attention. Um, or the first time you go into a new building, you have to pay attention and watch exactly where you're going. And after maybe the second, third, or fourth time, you don't even think about it. I mean, I'm sure all of us have driven somewhere and not realized how we got there. So for this particular person, we worked on paying attention to what triggered him. um, And then noticed when the trigger happened that he would grab his, his, between his, forefinger and his thumb as a way to just get him get his attention right take a breath and then not say anything and so i worked with him over a period of month and he months and he got this down so it just wasn't even an issue anymore so that's kind of a, a one simple example so um, so let me just repeat that because again i think that's really worth uh, people taking in Number one, paying attention to what you're trying to do. It's a new thing, so pay attention to it. Uh, now, you talked about when you, when you get um, you know, uh, triggered to actually touch yourself in some way. So you talked about finger, you know, grabbing your, the, the fat between your thumb and your forefinger and pinching to get your attention. And doesn't, does that reinforce the fact that you're, 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 you're paying attention in some way? Well, it's, I mean, it isn't something that you would, you would normally be doing in right. a meeting. Right. So it's a way to remind yourself. I mean, this is one of many things that you can do, but this happened to, this happened to work very well. So it's yeah. a way of reminding yourself, okay, wait a minute. I, I have to slow down. I can't overreact. I have to stop and think. I mean, it's similar to, you know, the old, uh, I guess, advice pause and take, take 10, you know, count to 10. Count to 10 so this right. is a, this is a little bit more physical touch, yes. you know, touch the space between your uh, pinky finger and your thumb uh-huh. just to remind yourself and then remember what the new habit is. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so that's, that's one, one thing to do. Um, mm-hmm. Another example is I've worked with um, uh, leaders who um, and this sometimes it's women, sometimes it's men, but who are nervous about speaking up in a meeting because they're afraid that they'll say the wrong thing. And if they say the wrong thing, then they're going to look really bad. So another way to get at this, um, and we did do this in the neurostroll. This was one of the exercises, mm-hmm. is to think about the underlying beliefs that you have, okay, about speaking up. I'm going to look bad or I'll look stupid. And then to replace it with a new belief, I have something worthwhile to contribute. And then to, and the idea really with habit formation is you have to start doing it. And so I usually will give my clients or if it's my students a goal, okay, speak up at least once in every meeting every week Mm -hmm. or, or, you know, depending on if they have, tons of meetings, then three meetings, and then track it so that you can see, because you have to, in order to create 
a new neural pathway, which is what you need to do to create a new habit, you have to keep repeating and repeating and repeating. I once heard someone uh, give this really good example. It was the idea that imagine that you're, you know, you always drive down a highway, okay, but you're going to, that's kind of your habit. But then if you're developing a new habit, it's like, it's sort of like going down a new road. And so you have to keep going down and going down and mm-hmm. going down and until that becomes a habit. So it's repetition as okay. well, but it starts with awareness. And part of it is also tuning into your body. What are the sensations you're feeling? Mm -hmm. Um, That's also very useful. And I found, you know, some people are so in their heads that they're not even aware they have a body. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So it's getting people to um, understand, you know, there is a part of our brain that controls that um, it's somatic or the sense that we have, the physical sense. So being able to tune into that and recognize that as a sign. So mm-hmm. for me, if my stomach gets really tense, I know that's something that I have to pay attention. Mm-hmm. So these physical things can actually be cues <clears throat> to making you aware of what you're trying to change or what situation you're in so that you can change it. Exactly. So one of the other things that we we did, um, and this was in the neurostroll too, it's, this was in the sensing exercise, um, this is based on the work of uh, Moisha Feldenkrais, mm-hmm. is if you are sitting slumped over, you're likely not going to feel very powerful. Actually, Dr. Amy Cuddy has done a lot of this work, too. Mm-hmm. But if you're sitting straight up with your chest out and you're confident, you're going to feel better and you're going to be more likely to be confident. So we actually had people think about their goal and move into the body position that they would be in just before they were achieving their goal. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. kind of a physical sense. Right, right. I want to go back to the point you talked about briefly, this neural pathways. And so what I'm picking up from that is I guess our habits are pretty ingrained. And I guess they're even ingrained in our brain in terms of processes and what's supposed to happen next. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that if you got a habit, it's just gonna it's gonna be a habit, which is it's ha- not only a habit, you know, out externally, but it's also a habit in your brain. It's got a neural pathway. Exactly, and I yeah. So and and that's actually, I mean, our evol- evolutionarily, I don't know if that's a word that really mm-hmm. helped us because if every morning you had to think about, okay, how do I put my, how do I put my foot down to get out of bed. Or how do I, you know, walk? Right. Um, we wouldn't. We wouldn't surprise. So we, as a way of how we've evolved, is things quickly become habits. And so, in order, and that's why change is so hard because it's deeply ingrained. There's even a part of our brain, of our brain, of our brain where our habits. So that was one of the other things, by the way, that we did in the neurostroll is um, I wanted people to actually touch the part of the brain that they were activating when they were doing each of the exercises. I think people thought, you know, who's this wacky woman? But um, but I I wanted to make it as uh, visceral, as you know, as holistic as possible. Right. So the way we can think about this when we're trying to develop a a new habit is that we're actually carving a new road in our brain. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and, it, and it's like a path. So the more you walk it, the, you know, the, the, the deeper and more developed it's going to get. 
Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of science around that. So, you know, the speaking up, I've worked with people where um, they set their goal and then they kept, and this has happened where they'll start doing it. If they have a goal, let's say I'm going to speak up three, three, at every meeting right, or three meetings a week. If I meet them maybe a month or six weeks later, they're much more confident about hmm. speaking up hmm. or, um, you know, being confident or speaking up with confidence. Right. Right. Um, or um, if for some people they have a high need to control. So let it, not jumping in and controlling everything, but letting other people um, do the work without hovering over their shoulders. Right. Right. And, you know, if, if you have a high need for control, that can be very stressful in and of itself for you. Right. Because well, you feel like you've got to control everything. It's like you're in the, um, you know, yeah, I can't think of it, the air, air controllers, <laughs> you know, controlling every little move every little plane makes. Yeah, I mean, and there are some habits like that. And, and I'm, I, I'm certified in, in a lot of things because uh-huh. <laughs> I love to learn and, you know, to be as uh, useful as possible. But I'm yes. certified in the leadership profile. It's an excellent leadership tool. And so the, the theory there is that when our early life shapes us and we we develop habits that mm-hmm. become patterns especially as we move into adulthood and into into life mm-hmm. so for some people um, maybe they were uh, something happened and they felt that they had to control everything or i always give the example this is um, that my sister i have a sister 13 months younger and she skipped um, when, so she was very close in school behind me and I made a decision then I was very threatened mm. that I had to be perfect. Mm. And so that was a habit I took with me until I got this feedback and it was, oh my gosh, I'm not only stressing myself out, I'm stressing out the other people. Right. Right. So, you know, when you see that, you go, oh my gosh, I have to, I have to just let go and trust other people. Yeah, you know, that's a really good lesson. I've been through that myself and have talked with others where you have such a long ingrained habit that is causing you stress. It's just stressing you out. And actually, um, I, I, I have an example from a friend who actually started having physical symptoms because of this. Uh, he had, you know, just stressed himself out so much, he started having heart trouble and really needed to deal with it. And that was a big motivator to get him to change some of his habits. And he, you know, high control and very successful because of that, uh, but learned, you know, is, is learning how to, you know, let, you know, let control, you know, let control go and let other people do and be responsible for things. Exactly. And, and there are also examples of people who um, have great relationship skills and they have, they learned that to get ahead or to get along, they needed to please other people and never say no. Mm. Well, then, you know, as you, they grew in responsibility, that's also stressful and that's a habit too. So that's a little bit different teaching them to say no or right. to speak up or to disagree. I mean, those are all many things that if with focus, attention, and action. And we also, you know, talk about self-compassion because any road to develop a habit, you're going to fall back. So mm-hmm. to just forgive yourself and get back on the wagon um, 
and and do it again. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm I'm just going back. I've been taking notes as we talk as I find this very interesting. So you've been talking about paying attention. I mean, you've talked about a lot of things, but I'm just going to try to um, summarize what we've been talking about in this segment is taking a breath and looking at your underlying beliefs, right? And replace, and because some of these underlying beliefs you have do not serve you well. Now, I think you have to ask yourself, is this helping me or is this, is this just so ingrained that I just, you know, I'm just doing it automatically. Is this helping me or should I really be replacing it with something different? Right, right, right. 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 And then you all talk about after that, then start doing it because it's the only way you're going to create the new habit. And yes. you may fumble and not do it perfectly. Uh, you're going to screw it up. You may be, what's the word I want to say? Maybe somewhat um, clumsy, I think is the word I'm looking for. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you will be. I mean, any path to change is not a straight line. It, there's mm-hmm. always ups and downs. And I think we we tend to forget that. We think that it's a straight line. So being... Aware and actually, um, one of the things that we ask in the neuro stroller that we ask people to do is pay attention to your wins as you move along. Mm. Pay attention because when people get reach a goal, they forget they forget the ups and downs. So for you know, be aware of the process that you went through to yes. get there. Right, right. I remember um, learning that in golf. <laughs> oh yes, yes, <laughs> right, yeah. Right? Which is you know, remember the good shots. Exactly. You you can go out on the on the course and have a lot of lousy shots and flubbed, you know, this is and that's, but really kind of, you know, take into your body that great shot you just took so that you can remember it and repeat it. Exactly. And there's another uh, neuroscience tip, which is our brain doesn't necessarily know the difference between what you imagine and, and your experience. So an example is athletes so, or mm-hmm. golfing, you know, a golfer that visualizes the shot before he or she takes it. You know, mm-hmm. there's a way that that gets ingrained in your mind. So it's really good when you're thinking of a goal to imagine that you have achieved the goal. Mm-hmm. And according, I, I found, I always thought that was, that was really um, exciting to learn. And that was where the mental contrasting research came in. So the people that did that research said, well, you're really indulging yourself. If all you do is you're just in the space where oh, here I've achieved the goal, whatever it is, you also want to be able to look at your current reality and what is it. So I mm-hmm. used to do that for personal goals earlier in my life. I would just say, okay, here I am on this day. And I would describe the reality very specifically so I yes. could feel it. Yes. And then I would describe the reality of what I wanted and hold in, in, in specifics and hold the two together. Mm-hmm. So there was a, a man named Robert Fritz who had a program called uh, Creative, uh, te- I think it was Creative Tension. Well, it was the technologies for creating. Mm-hmm. And that was his process. And I discovered that years ago. And then I found this research and I thought, oh my gosh, that's what he was doing. And it really worked. It worked for me then. And now, you know, yeah. So I'm reminded of uh, Thomas Jefferson, when you talk about that, we we hold these truths to be self-evident. So there's more than one truth (laughs) and they're both evident. (laughs) And the idea is to hold both these things together. 
Oh, I love that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it really is when you can hold more than one perspective together, it really helps you recognize where you are and what's relative and what's real and what's achievable. And it helps you move. But two things can be true at the same time that may be totally opposite of each other. And they're right. both true. Exactly. Exactly. So that, yeah, that's really great. Yeah. Right. Well, we have just a minute here before the next break, but um, let's see, how can I ask this quickly? Just a brief answer. What, what can motivate people to recognize they need to change? In other words, what environmental feedback do people get or feedback from peers or their parents or their kids that say, hey, look, I really need to make a change here? Well, boy, that's, you know, that's a big one. I know that's a big one. I mean, you know, you can look at that in an organizational level, a team yeah. level, and a personal level. I mean, sometimes, I mean, there's an old formula that I used to, when I did change management work, like, okay, if you have a dissatisfaction, you know, so there's usually some level of dissatisfaction that you have, but mm-hmm. that has to be, uh, that has to be, you also have to have a clear vision. Um, and you also have to have some clear first steps. And I think there was something else in here. So you have mm-hmm. to have a clear vision. So dissatisfaction it has to be greater than the um, vision. And I'm blanking on the third one. But anyway, you have to. Have, that's what you right. need. Right. Um, Good. Good. Okay. So you have to have some motivation. But the idea, again, is that you need to be sensitive to your environment so that you can actually gauge, you know, are other people satisfied or dissatisfied with something? And are you, how are you doing? And, and yeah, so for, with a lot of coaching clients, sometimes it's people that work with them are dissatisfied, but they have to internalize it. I mean, there are some people that are very defensive and they just go, you know, I, I don't care what they think, but Got the it. people who say, yeah, I can see that there's a real need. And, and also there has to be a benefit or a reward um, for changing. Good. All right. Well, we're talking with Dr. Marsha Rubin, PhD, uh, on how neuroscience helps you reach your goals. We will be back with a, her for another segment, and we're going to be talking about the kind of consulting she does and the kind of organizational tangles she sees when she walks into organizations. So stick with us. We'll talk about how neuroscience can help you achieve your goals and solve your problems, and stick with us. We'll be right back. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Today, many doctors prescribe basic pharmaceuticals to their patients who aren't feeling well or have various aches or pains. Is this the right course of action for all patients? We don't think so. Find out about healthy, natural ways to help you feel your best by tuning in to the CBD Ed Show with host Ed Cheney. Ed and his guests will explain full-spectrum CBD using the whole hemp plant for good health and answer all of your questions about CBD and natural treatment in general. Listen Fridays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern, on Voice America Variety. In the spirit of Have Couch, Will Travel, Dr. Carol Lieberman creates a haven of sanity in an increasingly insane world. Each day we are bombarded with news of events that have never crossed our wildest nightmares. Society is spiraling out of control and everyone is reeling from it. But now there's an answer. The best way to keep sane in this insane world is to tune in to Dr. Carol's Couch on Voice America. Dr. Carol, a certified media psychiatrist, will broadcast live from her Beverly Hills office every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific time. Call or log in and get help with whatever is sending you reeling whenever you need a soothing voice to calm and advise you. That's Dr. Carol's Couch every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific time 
here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Want an insider's pass to everything that goes on in Hollywood? Join Summer Helene every week for Behind the Scenes. Summer Helene is known as the Duchess of Hollywood because she knows the insiders, legends, and celebs and brings the stories, the gossip, and the backstage scoop. It's the real Hollywood, though. So this program is for adults only. Behind the Scenes can be heard live every Friday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time and 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are listening to Go to Health Radio. To reach Jonathan Marks or his guest expert on the live program, Call in to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to Jonathan Marks at GoToHealthMedia.com. Now, back to this week's show. All right, we're here with Dr. Marsha Rubin, Ph.D. at RubinConsulting.com. She's also the Associate Professor, Chair of the Management Department, and Program Director in Golden Gate University's Graduate School of Business. And her areas of inquiry include the intersection of leadership, neuroscience, and complexity. Marsha, I wanted to ask you um, more more broadly about the kind of work that you do and and when you walk into an organization or they, they employ you to untangle things. What it is, what it is you're dealing with? What are the different kinds of problems you see most frequently? Well, right now I'm doing a lot of executive coaching work, and I do see tangles. I've actually uh, come up with, and if your um, visitors want to visit my website, which is both www.rubenconsulting or or leadership tangles, um, I have some information there. But um, one of the common things that I see in my that I've seen in my coaching practice is something that I named the new leader tripwire tangle. So this <laughs> is when a new leader comes into an organization and is hired to make some changes and change the culture. And what happens is the people that work for him or her um, put up invisible tripwires so that they're not successful. So I've seen that happen. And so part of that is working with the new leader and also working with the team um, to untangle uh, to untangle that tripwire um, right. in the process. Uh, that's one of them. Um, another one um, that I see every once in a while is a toxic leader. I mean, that's there are leaders that... Um, do well, let's say, working up, but they, they're kind of a kick down with their direct reports. Mm -hmm. uh, their direct reports are shut down. So that's, that's when we're actually working with the leader, being able to hold a mirror to them. Um, and that in the previous segment, you asked me, how do people know if they need to change? Well, often uh, it's giving them a 360 view and feedback of how they're doing. Um, and I really work to do it in a way that they can hear it, you know, so, you know, smashing someone on the head might not be my first choice. Sometimes you do have to like 
hey, you know, shake them and say. Right. <laughs> um, uh, the other one is uh, brain knots. So that's another thing. And I see that typically um, a little bit more with um, well, new leaders or I work with a lot of women leaders and they tend to, you know, think that they have to be perfect or, mm-hmm. you know, before they do anything. So I've, I've done a lot of work with uh, women around that. So those are some of the things that I see, um, you know, sort of common issues. Uh, uh-huh. Others are just, you know, not um, low emotional intelligence. So that might be turned into a toxic leader. Um, yeah. Do you have a, an appreciation for um, why an organization is motivated to look for outside help and untangling a problem? What, what, what do they recognize or what do they see? Well, sometimes, you know, I always say a fish can't see the water, a goldfish can't see the water that it's swimming in. Right. Um, So it's hard when you're in a culture to see what the issues are. I mean, some, and typically people want somebody who's out an outside objective, who's going to be able, who doesn't have anything at stake in terms of the, of the issues. So I've seen that with the change, um, projects that I've worked on mm-hmm. with the coaching, it's become, I mean, some, some organizations have internal coaches. So those internal coaches have to walk a really tight wire. I feel as an external um, consultant and especially coach, I'm, I'm walking very, some real tight wires because I, you know, people who are really good coaches realize and are committed to confidentiality. So you mm-hmm. want to have a trusting relationship with the client, with the mm-hmm. leader that you're working with. Mm-hmm. And so being able to listen to what's going on in the organization, work with the leader and meet the goals of the organization uh, requires some uh, finesse and diplomacy and skill. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, and again, I'm just looking back at the motivation for why somebody might get in touch with you. I'm curious, what's the balance between you getting out there and promoting yourself versus an organization saying, hey, we have a situation and we need some help? Well, I mean, I think that after um, consultants or coaches work for a while, you can um, rely on a, a referral network. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I, and I think it's also important to have a, a, a presence. Mm-hmm. So, um I mean, I, I, I do both, but the reason, you know, that's organizations, you know, it's become quite common for organizations to um, hire external coaches. Ah, so it's not, not something, it's kind of like a habit now, right? It's a habit, <laughs> right? It is a habit. Yeah. I'm not sure I answered your question. So, um, no, that's okay. No, I think you did. Yeah. Okay. Uh, um, yeah. So, and, and now Marsha, just to make it more personal, can you tell us some goal or share with us a goal you've reached by using neuroscience? And in other words, how have you applied this to yourself? Can you give us a, a, an example or two? Well, I mean, one example is that I wanted to um, write up the research um, and write an article, um, which I just had published. So that was a goal, using neuroscience and, and the habit. Um, I mean, another big goal, and this was even before I knew anything about neuroscience, but in looking back, um, I definitely was, there were some things that I did, but that was getting my doctorate. It was a, it was a really tough process. I was doing it while I was working. Mm-hmm. And so I did go through a, a class as part of my training where we looked at a goal that you had. 
and what was getting in the way. This was based on Robert Keegan's Immunity to Change, uh, which I also use in my uh, coaching and consulting practice, Mm -hmm. um, is really looking at the underlying assumptions that were keeping me from reaching this goal. And that Mm -hmm. was probably one of the most powerful examples um, where I've reached my goal. Um, I've done that with physical fitness. I mean, so part of it is developing a habit of working out in a structured process uh, every week. Um, Meditating. I mean, part of it is the most important thing in all all the goal achievement literature says you really want to pick a goal that you're really committed to. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And tell me the importance of that. Why? Well, because you're not good if you're not really committed to something. Mm-hmm. Our brains are wired to not to like certainty. We like things to be the, the way that they are. So we don't like change. We're going to keep going back. It's homeostasis. We're going to keep going back. So if you are committed, you can, or you can override that. That's one of the ways you can help override the habit because we are habit machines. Right, right. Yeah. Let me explore that for a minute, if you don't mind. When you say we're habit machines... You talked about at the very beginning of our session here, you talked about safety, you know, keeping ourselves safe and looking for danger. How is the habit? How does that fit in with the habit machine here? Well, I mean, the purpose of our brain is to keep us safe. I mean, that's and we have five times as much wiring to to pick up threats than we do to pick up rewards. Uh And so if the Go, I mean, ste- stepping up and doing something new is a threat because what if you fail? Mm. Mm. So, so we'd rather keep things the same. I, you know, maybe I, people would rather get up and do the same thing every day. I mean, you know, we're all right. different. Right, right. Um, so I think that's how it's really, we're wired to want to keep the status quo. Mm-hmm. So, in mm-hmm. order to change, we need to understand that underlying biology. Um, mm-hmm. And so, you know, being attuned to our body, being attuned to what threatens us, and getting support is also really important when you want to reach a goal. So, having that emotional support because we're social beings. Right. Tell us, say a little bit more about that. How does that help us getting support? Well, if we have a buddy that holds us accountable, that seems to really help. I think if you think about programs like Weight Watchers um, and other weight loss programs where Mm -hmm. you you work in a group, Mm -hmm. um, probably Alcoholics Anonymous, you work in a group. So you have you have support from other people. Right. I think it's, you know, depends on the goal, but it's harder to do it alone. When I was going through my doctorate, I had a support group of other people and we we rallied each other. We held each other accountable. Good. That's great. Um, okay. Let's see. I'm just going back through my notes here because I know there were some other things I wanted to ask you about as well. Um, yeah. So what, oh yes. So what you're really, yeah, you talked about before how the brain doesn't really know the difference between what your fantasy is or your thinking and what reality is. Yeah. You have to be careful with that because, you know, you don't want to go around. And uh, I, I mean, years and years ago, I met someone who said, I'm a doctor. And he said, well, he was thinking about becoming a doctor. Uh-huh. That was his vision. Uh-huh. But he was saying that was, <laughs> so you have to be careful with this. But the brain doesn't know if you do a visualization, let's say like an athlete does, yes. a swimmer, um, the steps that you go through, the mechanics are 
the same. So, but so how do we use this? I, I, I guess I'm trying to get to how do we use this um, imagination and putting ourselves, you know, in a in a particular space to to achieve a goal. Well, I think it's being again. It goes back to being very specific about what it is you want to achieve. Mm-hmm. What's the what's your level of commitment? And I I want to talk about that formula that I uh, talked about last segment. So if yeah. if you know, first of all, there's some dissatisfaction with the status quo. Okay. You also need to have a really clear vision of what you want. You have to have a clear first step of what you want to achieve, mm. and all, and all of that has to be greater than the resistance to change, because we will resist changing because we like things to be the same. Hmm. Hmm. Very interesting. Very interesting. Yeah. So all this has got. Yes. Yeah, so, so that's why it's so important to be motivated, right? If yeah. you don't have that motivation. You're just going to run up against that resistance to change, and then nothing's going to change. Exactly. And that's what's really been, I mean, a lot of the research studies that I looked at, you know, that was a big point that they made, right. um, that that was, that was a requirement. And right. we did, what we did in the neurostroll is we asked people to do the SMART goals, like I talked about before, and we mm-hmm. also asked them to rate their level of commitment to the goal mm-hmm. on a scale of 1 to 10. Right. So you really need that strong commitment to overcome the resistance to change. Exactly. Yeah, it. it's it's critical. So, Marcia, you talked earlier about creating a course online so people can benefit from this. Do you have a, a, a sense of timing for that? Um, I'm uh, my my. I know it's all. It's hope. Yep. It's Fingers hope. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but looking at the fall, and yes. so if your viewers are interested, um, <laughs> I mean, I'm going to be. It'll be um, promoted on my LinkedIn site. Um, so I am on LinkedIn yep. and um, and my Twitter site, which is at Tangle Doctor, uh-huh. and so those are the places where I'll be promoting and also on my uh, website. But probably the social media is a place where it's we have a social media plan for it. Great, wonderful, Marsha. I want to thank you so much for taking time to be with us today. I, I I just find this topic absolutely fascinating, and I'm so impressed with your expertise and study and ability to share all your knowledge. Thank you. It's been a pleasure being here. I, I've had a good time. Yeah, me too. Uh, we're talking with Marsha Rubin, PhD. She's the principal of Rubin Consulting Group. That's R-U-B-E-N. And Marsha is M-A-R-C-I-A. You can um, find her on our website at gotohealthmedia.com. And we will be posting the video there uh, in just a couple of days. Marsha, thanks again for coming on and sharing with us how neuroscience helps you reach your goals. And we really look forward to your course so that we can all learn how to improve goal achievement using what we know about our brains and our nervous systems. Thanks so much, Marsha. And thank you, everybody, for tuning in today. If you like the show, um, please uh, give us a like on our social media or visit our website where you can watch our videos. And we'll be back with you next week with another great show. Jonathan Marks here. Go to health. Thank you for tuning in this week to Go to Health Radio. Be sure to join Jonathan Marks and another health expert next Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time and 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. You can also catch the program on your favorite podcast platform. Until our next show, be sure to visit us on the web 
at go to healthmedia.com and elevate your life.